Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. Hey, God bless you for being here today. I love Father's Day. Um, I get cool stuff. And that's a great day, right? Hey, um, no kidding. I, we, uh, we wanted to do something kind of lighthearted at the beginning of the service because I'm, I'm going to share some stuff with you that's a little heavy. Uh, in fact, by the way, not that I want you to get on Facebook, but that video is already trending. <laughs> Mikey and Trent. I want to talk to you today about the father problem. I'm going to tell you that there is a father problem. There's a father problem in our culture. And there's a father problem in the church. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. The father problem. In our culture, the problem is absent fathers. 24 million children grow up with their fathers absent. I'm going to tell you that's a problem. Now, before I go any further, let, let me address a couple of, of groups. If you're here or you're listening to this later and you're a single mom, we applaud you. And we want to support you as a church. And we recognize that you have the greatest, most difficult job on the planet. If you're here and you're a dad that would love to be involved in your children's lives, but circumstances have prevented it, we pray for you. And understand that, you know, it, it seems like all the pressure goes on the dad when, when there's a an absenteeism, and it's not always your fault. So we pray for you. But there's a problem. When 24 million children are growing up without a, not just a godly male figure, but without a male figure at all, that's a problem. I pulled some statistics. Children that grow up without Dad being around are more likely to use and abuse drugs and alcohol. They're more likely to go to prison. They're more likely to commit crimes. They're twice as likely to drop out of high school. They're four times greater. Their risk of poverty is four times greater. And they're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. There is a problem. And listen to me, y'all. Don't. We're not going to be one of those churches that says the problem is out there because the problem's not out there. See, the problem is in the church. In fact, I read this article. I read this article conducted by Lifeway Christian Resources, and it listed what are the top 10 issues that are facing America's family today. 
what's, what's the biggest struggle? And there's all sorts of things like adultery and the anti-Christian culture and materialism and having a balanced work and media. The, the number four was the absent father figure. It's a big deal. These, it's, it's a big deal. And it's a problem in our culture. But here's what I need you to hear from me today. It's a problem in, in the church. And oh, by the way, if you've already checked out because you're like, hey, my kids are grown. I don't have children. I'm never going to have children. If you've already checked out, I'm not just talking to men who have sired children. I'm talking specifically today about spiritual fathers. Because as an absent biological father is a problem in our culture, the absence of spiritual fathers in the church is a huge issue. We can't do anything about, you know, every church in America today, but we're going to talk to LifePoint today. Because I believe it's a big deal that God raise up spiritual fathers. If you got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 to 16 says this. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Paul says, you're my children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians, some translations read that, 10,000 teachers. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Heavenly Father, help us today. To see the problem. The tragic need of fathers in our culture. And the desperate need for spiritual fathers in the kingdom of God. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So what I'm going to try to do today over the next just few minutes. I know you got burgers to flip and all sorts of stuff going on today. But over the next few minutes, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to, we're going to talk about some very practical things that we can do as fathers that need, we need to transfer to spiritual fathers. Does that make sense? All right. The problem is there are too many orphans. N not only in our culture, and by orphans I mean fatherless children. And, and listen, ladies, don't, don't push back on me too hard here because I thank God for women who love Jesus, who chase Jesus, who will drag children to church kicking and screaming sometimes, who will pray for their children, who will love their children. And, and, and I, I honor you all this morning. And I'm going to talk to men today. Because here's what we've done. We've asked God to bring in new babes and then we've left them fatherless and i'm going to tell you men that the time is now for us to rise and take our place as spiritual fathers to this generation 
And oh, by the way, maybe you're here and you're like, I'm 19, I'm 22, I'm not even 30 years old, you're not talking to me. Oh, yes, I am. Because if Christ is living in your heart, you don't know that a 70-year-old man might not need you to help father them. So this is not an age thing. This is not a generation thing. This is when Christ does a work in your heart, he does it for a reason. How many times have you heard me say that God didn't just save you from something, he saved you for something? And speaking to men, God is calling you to be a father. Because there's too many orphans. There's too many. There's too many who have come to Christ and... Now all of a sudden, they're getting all their discipleship. They're getting all their direction. They're getting all of their encouragement from spiritual mothers. It's not how it's supposed to be. Not how it's supposed to be. So we're going to talk about how do we become a spiritual father. Here's the deal. The solution to the spiritual problem. First of all, it's to be a father and not just a guardian. See, he said you have many guardians, but you don't have many fathers. There's a, there's a big difference between being a guardian and a father. I'll give you an example. For years and years and years and years, we were youth pastors. And every time we would go on a trip, you had to sign, parents, you had to sign something. What's it called? A permission form. And, and that was releasing your child to our guardianship. In other words, we're going to do our very best to make sure they don't die on their way to the, the retreat and back. We're going to make sure, we're going to do our best to come back with ten fingers, ten toes. We're going to do our best to make sure that happens. But can I tell you, I don't watch your children like I watch my children. I, that maybe, that, maybe that bothers you, but I didn't watch Every child, the way I kept my eye on my own children. I don't provide for every child the way I provide for my own children. I'm not as, y'all going to judge me for some of this. I'm, I'm more concerned about my children. And that, maybe that's wrong, but that's just how it is. I'll give you a great example. We were, we were coming to Six Flags. Mikey was 13 years old. Mike was 13 years old, and so he was an officially a member of the youth group, right? Right? So we were coming up, and we were on a, a flags all night. In other words, you go to the park at 11 o'clock at night, and you stay till 6 in the morning. Hell itself invented this event. <laughs> it is awful. Just a little disclaimer. So we're, we're in the bus from Statesboro to... Atlanta to go so we're starting to get off and I'm like I put my arm around Mikey and I'm like Mikey hey I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna you know you're gonna hang out with me tonight and uh, because see the rule was you had to stay in groups of four or more and if an adult saw you without a group of four or more then you got to hang out with the adult and so I put put my arm around Mikey and said you're just gonna hang out with me tonight and he went and sat back in his seat, and a few minutes later, he came back, and he goes, Dad, I, ha- I have a question. I said, uh, what's, your, what's your question, son? He said, um, you know how you're always telling me that uh, i got to follow the rules of the youth group because, you know, uh, the, the rules apply to me, and not just because I'm your son doesn't mean that I get to break the rules. And I said, yeah, that's, 
That's, that's right. He goes, well, why doesn't this rule apply to me? And I said, shut up. <laughs> and, I, and you know what? He was right. But see, I was more concerned about his safety because he's, I'm not just his guardian. I'm his parent. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Man, I'm thankful for spiritual teachers and spiritual guardians. We need some fathers. We need some fathers who will be present in the lives of, of, of men and women, young men and women, old men and women, some men who will be committed to making sure that somebody gets across the line and, and loving them like they're your own. See, I, I'm thankful for great teachers, and I'm thankful for great uh, you know, leaders in our church and men that are talented that do but here's what here's what i think we need to step up with we need to be fathers we need to we need to adopt some children maybe some adult children and say listen come on see i'm convinced you've heard me say this over and over again and maybe it's it's never more true than in this statement there ought to be somebody that you're allowing to pour your their life into you and disciple you and pull you on down the road but it can't stop there. You got to be pulling somebody else down the road. You got to be helping somebody else. You got to be discipling somebody else. And I'm telling you, we need fathers. So don't be, don't just be a guardian. Be a father. Now you can't be a father to, to 50 people, but man, find a handful of uh, of folks that you're going to pour your life. If Christ has done an amazing work in your life, don't let that process stop with you. So be a father, not just a guardian. Secondly, Paul said, I became your father through the gospel. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Let the gospel be your guide. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I believe that we need to be investing into the lives of children and adults and teenagers in such a way I'm not telling you not that that we're not going to do fun stuff I'm not telling you that it all has to be churchy see I think you can in, invest your life into someone over at a hunting camp I think you can invest your life into someone at, on a lake with a fishing rod in your hand I think you can in, invest your life into someone with oddly enough at a at a gun range you know shooting Maybe that's not politically correct, but that's, oh well. <clears throat> um, I, I believe in those, that you can have those kinds of activities, and, but the baseline must be this. Are we discipling men and women in the gospel? I, I don't want to just spend time with someone. That's an important part, but I want to make sure that at the baseline of me spending time with someone else that, that we're discipling each other in the gospel, we need fathers. We need fathers. Be a father, not just a guardian. Let the gospel be your guide. And then, this, we're going to spend a little time right here. Set an example. We live in a society. Can I just be Dwayne for a minute? We've forgotten how to be men. We, we live in a society where 
it's wrong to have an opinion. It's wrong to stand up for what's right. It, it's wrong to square your shoulders and say there's right and there's wrong. We live in a society where all those lines are blurred. And I'm going to tell you now more than ever, there needs to be men who love God that says, you know what, there is right and wrong. There, there, there is an issue with our nation when everything's okay. And I'm going to tell you again. I think it started when we stopped keeping score at the Little League game. Listen, listen. Here's how it was when we grew up. Some, some dude would walk. Not only did we keep score, there was no mercy rule. We were, we were going to beat your brains out. And if it made you cry, go home. In fact, we took it a step further. If somebody walked up that struggled swinging the bat, I was on the pitcher's mound. I'd turn around, easy out. Bring it in, easy out. And make him feel horrible. And oh, by the way, I remember standing in that batter's box and somebody going, easy out. I survived. We've, we, we've blurred all these lines. To We're so afraid of Hurting somebody's feelings. Listen, I don't want to offend people for offense's sake unless I'm on a sporting field. It's okay. It's okay. We were at the gun range the other day. See, I love it when I have a microphone and other people don't. We were at the gun range the other day, and Brett Wiggins is laughing at me at the way I'm holding my gun. <laughs> laughing at you. I'm not going to tell you what he said because it's not appropriate for this stage, but he, he was laughing at me. And you know what? Guess what? I survived. It's okay. No, did not shoot him. Now, if he were up here, he'd say, I wouldn't, I'm not worried he wouldn't hit me anyway. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm not saying we're going to offend people. I, hadn't we just swung that pendulum so far the other way? We're afraid to say that something's right and wrong because we might hurt somebody's feelings. And, 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 we need men. Man, I, I'm... I wasn't the perfect dad by a, lo a long stretch. But you know what? I think we did pretty good about, hey, there's certain things you do and there's certain things you don't do. You know, it's okay to open a door for a lady when she walks up. I'm, I'm about to get on a tangent that ain't on my notes, but I, I think it's okay to act like a man. And I think, I think it's time that Christian men set an example of what that looks like. Let's talk about a couple of those things. Let's talk about character. Philippians 1, 10 through 12 says, For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. And you're already thinking, well, I can't live... That kind of life, you're absolutely right, I'm, but I'm going to keep reading. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. I'm going to tell you that if you'll fall in love with Jesus, he'll develop in you a character that will be attractive, and you'll be able to set an example. I'm not telling you just, just to try to live right and do right and be right. I've been there and failed, but I'm going to tell you, if you'll fall in love with Jesus, men, Fall in love with Jesus. It's okay. 
It's okay to love him so much that a tear rolls down your face. It's okay to love him so much that you get choked up when you talk about him. It's okay to love him so much that you forget about other people when you worship him. It's okay to love him so much that you can't shut up about him. Because that's what we need. We need men who are full of Jesus and it comes out in their character. Because if, if you're full of Jesus, guess what? You'll start talking like him. And you'll start loving like him. And, and you'll start acting like him. And you'll start serving like him. You want to... Jesus Christ was the manliest man that ever lived. And I want to be just like him. And I fall miserably short sometimes. But I want to be like Jesus. And we need men who want the character of Christ displayed in their own life. Men, I'm telling you, time is too short. There are too many orphans. They need an example of what a man that's in love with Jesus looks like. Let's do that. Men, let's fall in love with Jesus. Well, Dwayne, I'm, I'm a long way away from that. So am I. But you know what? I'm in hot pursuit of him. Character. Somebody said that character was what you were when nobody else was around. I'm not telling you to work on your reputation. Let's let Jesus build a character. Let's let, and it's a simple process. Let's just fall in love with Jesus. I'm not, you know, I could stand up here and say, well, you smoke too much, you drink too much, you cuss too much, and all. I'm, I'm, I don't do that. You know that by now. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Fall in love with Jesus. Spend time with him every day. And he'll work all that junk out. Right. Amen. Mm. Amen. Character. Character. Look at somebody say character. character. We're going to talk about character. Let's talk about integrity. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Man, I, this is a prophetic verse. Many a man proclaims his own loyalty. But who can find a trustworthy man? Would you say that men of integrity, trustworthy men, are hard to find in our culture? Of course they are. Hey, let's shine so bright that people can find a man of integrity. I, I do this, I've, I've done this illustration many, many times, but I can't find a better one because it, it just makes sense to me. All right? Let me, let me see if I can explain what integrity really means. I trust this stage. I must because I'm walking on it. I trust it so much that I would jump up and down on it. I would do that several times if it wouldn't cost me wind. <laughs> do you know why I trust this stage? Do you know why I stand on this stage? Because I trust its integrity. Because somebody, I don't know who, built it well. Because its integrity is sure. Man, I want, I want married men wave at me. Look, look at my eyes. She needs to know that she can stand on your integrity. She needs to know that she can lean on your integrity. She needs to know that you're a trustworthy man. Personal integrity is critical because we lead by example. You don't, 
You don't lead by your motives. You don't lead by your desires. You don't lead by your intentions. You lead by your actions. Integrity. In other words, let's be the men that we claim to be. And the only way we're going to do that is when we fall in love with Jesus. The only, can I tell you unashamedly? Well, maybe a little shamedly. Is that even a word? I know the kind of man I'd be apart from Christ. And it's not a good man. I know who I'd be apart from him. And it's not a good man. If you see anything good in Dwayne, if there's anything that you see in me that you go, that, that's admirable to you, if you see anything in me that you go, man, that's, that's awesome, it has nothing to do with me. It's only because Jesus invaded my life and changed me and molded and it's changing me. That's the only reason. Any, any character I possess, any integrity that I have, doesn't come from my soul, that, my will. It comes from the fact that Jesus saved me and is changing me. Period. Just true. Be an example. Next, we've been in this Men of the Bible series. And I love looking at characters in the men of the Bible. And, and what I'm going to say now is probably going to make some of you look at me funny. But you do that frequently anyway. <clears throat> we talked about Moses. We talked about Abraham. We talked about Nehemiah. And all of the great things that they did. And all the examples that they gave us. And all the stuff that they did that we need to model. But here's something I need you to know. Moses and Abraham and Nehemiah and Joshua and Adam... And the Apostle Paul and King David are all dead. The Bible is complete. Hear me well. The story of God is not. The story of God is still being written in 2018. And so here's my plea to you men. Here's my plea. And this is, this is what I want for my own life. If God were still writing the Bible, be a man he would write about. Man, Trent's been doing an awesome job on our Thursday night Bible study. When it comes back around, we've got a couple weeks left, but when it comes back around, men, if you hadn't come, you need to come. It's been an awesome. We've been talking about Job. <laughs> we've been talking about how th this... This in, incredibly just powerful conversation that took place in, in heaven when God said, Have you considered my servant Job? Can you imagine the enemy making accusation and how all of God's children would fall and him say, Hey, I know one that won't. Have you considered... My servant, Matthew Robertson. Have you considered my servant, Mike Highfield? Oh, don't you want to be that? Have you considered my servant, Dwayne? Don't you want to be that kind of man that God would say, man, he's not, he's not perfect. Even though the Bible says that Job was upright before God. Don't you want God to be able to say, 
He's not perfect. But he's my guy. Be a man that God would write about. All right, I'm going to give you very quickly three fatherhood foundations. And, and you can apply these three foundations as to your biological children or as a spiritual father. They, they work both ways. You with me? All right, number one, show up. Show up. Just being present is a big deal. I remember being that kid on the Little League field. And, man, I, I, I've always loved the game of baseball. I, I've always just loved the game. But I think there's a reason why I've always loved that game so much. It might have been because when I was eight years old, my dad and I at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium saw Henry Aaron hit number 699. Watched it with our eyes. It's a big deal. It's been over 10 years ago. That's a true statement. It has been over 10 years ago. But I, I, we, we experienced that together. It may be because when, when I'm on those Pony League fields and it's a hot, hot summer afternoon and it's just practice, it's not even a game. I, I looked up to empty stands except for one man, my dad watching me. Maybe that's why I love the game. He was there. He was there. He was there when I took my wife as my bride. He was there when every accomplishment I've ever had. He was there when my children were born. It means a lot to just be there, to just show up. I don't always have the right words to say. No, you don't. Nope, you sure don't. But your presence means a lot. It means everything. Somebody in your life, your children, somebody in your world needs your acceptance, your attention, and your affirmation. You need to write that down. Your attention, your acceptance, and your affirmation. Can I show you who, how that works? You don't have very many conversations in the Bible from the Heavenly Father to the Son. But here's what he did. He showed up, didn't he? And he said, this is my Son. And then he said these other words, in whom I'm well pleased. He showed up, gave him his attention, gave him his acceptance, and gave him affirmation. Can I tell you, there, there's enough people in the world telling, especially young men, how sorry they are. Can I tell you, there's some young men in this world, there's some young men in this church that need a, a spiritual father to wrap their arms around them and say, man, I believe in you. Man, God's got a great plan for your life. God's going to do amazing things in you. I believe in you. So show up. Number two, grow up. First Corinthians 13 says, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things.
this is going to come out harsh. And I don't, I don't mean it harsh, but I, I believe what I'm getting ready to tell you. In far too many Christian families, in far too many, mom is setting the tone spiritually. And that's not how it's supposed to be. Dad needs to be leading the direction. Dad needs to be leading the charge. Dad needs to be the one setting the spiritual tone. Got really quiet, but I believe that with everything in me. And, and mom, I, here's, what I need, here's what you ought to do. You ought to make that job difficult for your husband. No kidding. And I'm not, Don and I live in a, in a, in a glass house, so I don't mean to throw this out. And I don't, I'm not trying to, I got to work hard to keep up with her spiritually. We're leaving too many orphans. It's time to grow up. Be men of God. Set the tone for your family. You be the one, men, that says, you know what? It's a beautiful day outside, and we're going to enjoy this beautiful day at 2 this afternoon. We're going to church. Dad needs to be the one. Kids, put your cell phones down. Turn everything in this house off. Come around here. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to read you about, from God's Word. I'm going to pray for you. Husbands, the greatest thing you can do for your wife is not buy her wine and roses, not diamonds and jewelry. The greatest thing you can do for your wife is to lead her to Jesus. Pray for her. Love her like Christ loved the church. So show up, grow up, and lastly, man up. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says it this way, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong. Be strong. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Dwayne, what you've given us a pretty tall order today. And I want you to listen to me. Every man in the house, I'm not calling you to perfection because you'll never get there. I'm not calling you to some standard of living that you think, all right, I can't get there. That's not what I'm doing at all because, oh, by the way, I would fail in that, in that task miserably. Here's what I'm calling you to. Men. Men. I'm not calling you to perfection. I'm calling you to pursuit. Chase Jesus every day. And oh, by the way, here's, here's what happens. That stuff that you fail miserably at, that you fall terribly short of, I get it. There's a beautiful thing that, that Jesus offers us. He crowns us with his grace and his mercy. I'm just calling you to pursuit. I'm just calling you to love him more to, tomorrow than you do today. I, I, I'm just calling you to set an example. Listen, sometimes you, you'll set an example by your failure when you're in pursuit of Jesus. I've told you all my stories of my kids. I've, done, I, I, I've, I've failed miserably 
And even in the midst of that, God has a way of, of, of helping us be an example to our children. Donna's going to come and play, and we're going we're gonna to leave. But before we do that, I, I just feel compelled to do this one thing. And I, I, I hope this doesn't embarrass anybody because it's not my goal. Um, I, I would never, and I've struggled even doing this, but I really feel like the Lord would have me do this. If, if you're in this room and you're a guy, I want to pray for you this morning. And I'd like to do it in, in kind of a, a different way, maybe. Here's what I'd love to, to do. If you're here, you're a guy. And, and, you, and you can. If you can't do this, I understand some of you are physically unable to do this. I get it. And, and, and that's, that's what I understand. I'd love you to come and gather around this altar. And just stand in this, in this room. And stand here together. There's many of you that can. Amen. 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 Come on down, Matt. You're, we're, we're fine. Guys, we love you. And here, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Be a man. We got too many orphans. They need examples. Can we be that example? That'll follow Jesus? That'll love Him with everything in us? It's amazing how quickly time goes. How quickly one generation passes to the next. I can't even look over there. I can't believe I've got a daughter-in-law and will soon have another daughter-in-law. It seems like yesterday I was wiping those little butts. You're welcome. It goes so quickly. We have a very brief amount of time on this planet to make our mark. Let's be an example for Jesus. And we can only do that when the power of God and the love of Jesus fills our heart. So if you're in this, if you're standing here, you're in this room and, and you don't know Jesus, man, today be a great day for you to say, God, I want to be an example, but I can only be an example when I fall in love with you. Come in. I want to live for you. I want to serve you in all of my junk. I need you. Today be a great day for you to pray a prayer just like that. And some of you here, and I know you, and you're doing all you can to do things the right way, and God bless you for it. But man, let's, let's lean on the Lord this morning. God, build integrity, build character. Make us an example. Help us to father some of these spiritual orphans that are running around. And help us to be men of God. Men of God. So I want to pray for you. If you feel comfortable, here's what I'd like you to do. When I pray, I just want you to stretch your hands toward heaven, acknowledging your dependence on Him. Father, in Jesus' name. Ladies, if you got somebody in this altar that you love, you ought to stretch your hands toward them and ask God to do a great work in their life. 
Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for men who love you. Thank you for men who want to be an example of what of how Jesus lived and how Jesus loved. And God, I pray as humbly as I know how that, that you do a great work in the lives of these men. God, help us to fall more in love with you today than we've ever been. Help us to be in hot pursuit of your plan and purpose and passion for our life. Help us to no longer follow the path of our culture, but to blaze a trail toward the cross. Help us to lead our families in the fear and love of God. Help us to lead our co-workers to the cross. Help us to be men who will lead by example. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you receive that, I just want you to thank God for what he's doing in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I just, before I let you go sit down, I honor you, men. I honor you. You're here. But I'm going to challenge you today. And let's, let's be an example. Let's fall in love with Jesus.